Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com. The Bank of England has increased interest rates for the 12th time in a row, taking the bank rate to 4.5% the highest level since 2008. If you're one of millions of borrowers currently looking for a new mortgage deal, this could add hundreds of pounds to your monthly payments. But help is at hand. If you didn't hear it the first time, this Money Clinic episode, Help, What Should I Do About My Mortgage, is well worth listening to again. Released days after the Bank of England's last interest rate rise, there are still plenty of useful lessons. The best rates on mortgage deals have barely altered since this episode was recorded. A shade under 4% is the best you can hope for. But as our experts tell us, there are hopes that these could fall back slightly in future. Now, if you've got to make a decision about your debts, that could make the choice even harder. But we've got loads of tips coming, so sit back and listen in. These are nail-biting, confusing times for anyone buying a home or coming to the end of a fixed-rate mortgage. Interest rates are going up, debt is becoming more expensive, but why then are some long-term mortgage rates coming down? And what does this all mean for your mortgage? Welcome to Money Clinic, the weekly podcast from the FT about personal finance and investing. I'm Claire Barrett, the FT's Consumer Editor. I'm joined in the FT studio today by Chris Giles, the FT's economics editor. Hello. And Andrew Montlake, chief executive of mortgage broker Corico, better known as Monty. Hi. Hello. Well, Chris, let's start by talking about the macro picture. What's your take? Has the Bank of England done enough now to get inflation under control? What really matters for mortgage rates is what's happening to the sort of long-term interest rates. It really matters what the expectation of interest rates is going to be over the next two years or over the next five years. And I think we've seen two things happening there. There's one piece of really good news for everyone in the UK, and that is that wholesale energy prices are falling. Mm. This is just good news. We are an energy importer. If wholesale energy prices fall, we're richer and it's not inflationary. So that is just good news. So that's one thing. And that is one of the reasons why we're seeing some of the long-term interest rates coming down, because there's a good downward pressure on on prices. And then there's a there's this potential which is not such just just good news. It's just where is the economy? And that's sort of pretty uncertain at the moment. We're we've got a pretty strong labor market. And the concern there is there might be some sort of self-sustaining underlying inflationary pressures there because companies think, oh, actually, 
consumers aren't doing so badly. We can raise our prices a bit and workers think, oh, actually, it is time to try and get a bit more money out of my employer. Both of those are perfectly legitimate mm. things for people and companies to think. But if it all happens together, then that can turn into a self-fulfilling prophecy and give you too much inflation. So that's one of the things the Bank of England is very much looking at. And that's why there's an uncertainty. But the good news is for the wholesale energy prices. Well, we like having good news to report on the Money Clinic podcast. Now, Monty, it's time to bring you in. You've been sitting there very patiently <laughs> listening to, to Chris, but it's been a real roller coaster ride for mortgage rates since that disastrous mini budget last autumn. For the last year, everyone's been expecting rates mm. uh, to go up. And then before then, people were just sort of, it was normalised that the rates were going to stay low forever. But those lenders who cut their rates below 4% of two or three different firms who, who did that, that's obviously below the base rate. Now, why are they offering a below market deal, as, as it were? What's the sort of psychology mm. behind offering that? Now? Well, that's simply down to the to swap rate. And what's a swap rate? I look at them as it's a future cost of money upon which a lot of lenders base their fixed rates on. So it's what financial markets are predicting, essentially, that interest rates will be at a future point, and that's how they price it. Yes, correct. So, And that usually looks at two, three, five, ten years ahead in the future. Right, swap rates, got it. So what we've seen is now swap rates have fallen again. Now, for lenders working on their pricing, and it's not quite as exact as this, but they take swap rates as a good basis of how they price their funds and their products. So actually, you've now got some room for lenders to start cutting their rates again. The market now doesn't think that rates will go up much more, but actually looking forward, rates look cheaper. So therefore, the cost for lenders to come out with products is slightly cheaper. Mm. Lenders are in a much better position than they were. They need to lend to make money and to to do their job. Um, so actually, there's some competitive pressure starting to filter through within lenders as well. So I expect we'll see some slightly cheaper rates in the near future. Um, Chris, I mean, as millions of people are rolling off fixed rate deals on really, really low rates, like one, one and a half percent, economists talk about the payment shock of having to find hundreds of more pounds a month to cover the bills. But in a consumer-driven economy like Britain... Even if you're rolling off 1.5% onto 4% rather than 6% after the mini budget, it's still a lot of money that's being taken out of people's wallets. I mean, surely that's going to have some kind of deadening effect on the consumer economy. It is, and that's absolutely deliberate by the Bank of England, wants to have that deadening effect because that is the ultimate way we'll defeat inflation as far as they think and economic theory suggests as well. So you've got to bring spending and demand down Unfortunately for people, it's a really blunt tool. So, you know, it's totally arbitrary who's rolling off a mortgage mm. this year and being hit and who's got another three years left on their five-year fix and has currently enjoying one or one and a half percent for another three years. Totally arbitrary. There's nothing fair about this, but that is the only tool we've really got to clamp down on demand because we got ourselves along with every other advanced economy, pretty much, into an inflationary situation. And you've got to damp spending because demand spending was too strong for what the economy could produce. 
and that was pulling up prices. And that was definitively the case last year. And the quicker we can get rid of this inflationary pressure, the more you can think that in the longer term, interest rates will be a bit lower. But it does mean that some households who are rolling off their fixed rates or have had variable rates are arbitrarily being hit and they're bearing the brunt, whereas others are getting away, as it were, scot-free. Yeah, I know. It is very unfair, isn't it? Now, Andrew, as things stand right now, what's the best deal that somebody buying a property and then somebody remortgaging a property might be able to secure? Give us a flavour. So, as always, the best deals are are basically available for those with good equity in their property, 40%. So, if you're borrowing 60% loan-to-value or purchasing a property. But it is important to say that anyone expecting that rates are going to fall back to where we've seen them in the last 10 years are going to be upset because I don't think that will happen at all. And whilst if you look at it, historically speaking, 4% is around the long-term average. So I think rates between 35 to 4% are going to be the norm this year. Mm. And again, that's if you've got 40% equity Correct. in your property. Now, typically, that's probably older borrowers, people like us, who've bought at lower house prices and have had more time to pay down our home loans. We're going to get a better deal than younger listeners who've bought when prices have been inflated and maybe the, their deposits have, have been, you know, like 5%, 10% of the property price. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we have seen higher loan-to-value rates come down, which are a lot better than they were. Now, Chris, obviously, we're seeing the words credit crunch appear increasingly in headlines. Now, you've explained that you don't think that that is a likely scenario to play out, but nevertheless, it's still a risk and something that people listening will be worrying about. How do you think this could potentially play out both in the UK mortgage market and in the property market in general? Because we haven't really seen big price falls yet. And when the loan-to-value ratio is such a crucial thing for the for the price of your mortgage, this is also something we need to watch. Absolutely. And we are only a year into interest rates being pretty much moved off the zero level. And if people had got very used to borrowing at one and a half to two percent, and that's what they required to be able to afford their lifestyle, then there's going to be a lot of people. If the norm is three to four percent, and that's going to, where it's going to stick in the future, there's going to be a lot of people who will struggle, and that is in in the end likely to mean that house prices will edge downwards over the medium term. Doesn't mean there'll be a house price crash all of a sudden, but mm. it does mean that it means that house prices where they were were probably unsustainably high because particularly new buyers coming into the market wouldn't necessarily be able to afford what mm. they previously could afford uh, when interest rates were much lower. So you know it's always a mugs game to predict house prices. But you would have thought one of the reasons that way went up so far was because interest rates seemed permanently low. And now if they've moved back to where they would normally have been, as sort of in the three to four percent range, then you would again expect house prices to adjust downwards. Now that could just be that they stay stable for a very long time while inflation and wages rise and that would be the most painless way mm. of having a fall in the relative price of houses compared with earnings but that's what you would expect we shouldn't be trying to scare people and say there's going to be a house price crash or anything like that of course if the wider economy went into a deep recession no one's expecting the economy to perform very well this year but at the moment it does look better than it we feared towards the end of last year but if there was a really bad period in the economy because 
something bad happened, most likely at the moment that would come from some wider financial sector squall or turmoil, then you could imagine that the housing market couldn't be unaffected by that. And if you remember back into 2008, 2009, there were falls of 20 to 30% or so. It wasn't huge, but it was still very material. Mm. In some interesting points there. And, and, And Andrew, just on the credit crunch point, We're already seeing that lenders want to see lots of equity um, in a property if you want to get the best rates. But of course, checking your own credit score, making sure there are no nasties in your credit file, absolutely essential, more than they've ever been for, for borrowers today. Yeah, absolutely. What what you tend to find, especially if there are some kind of issues brewing, is lenders go on this flight to quality. So so they like borrowers who have got good levels of equity or good deposits, and they also like borrowers who don't have any credit issues. And it's amazing how many little things can happen with your credit. So it is something that you should be checking, especially if you're looking to get a mortgage in the next six months or so. Um because actually, I think some somewhere I read that last year there were over a million county court judgments issued uh, to people. And a lot of those are for things like forgetting to pay a mobile phone bill of about 30 or £40. Pounds. Mm. And it's amazing how quick they are to put a mark against your name on a credit score. And there's also, sadly, a lot of fraud around as well. Um, so we have some clients come to us who don't know they've got a problem. And when we check their credit score, actually, there is a problem. Um, so it's about making sure that you find these things out before and then you can talk to your lender, talk to your broker, and, and mm. there is something you can do. It's actually happened to a friend of mine recently. He had two subscriptions to BT Sport. Right. He moved house, um, took one with him, didn't know about the second one, so he never cancelled it, and the bills kept coming to his old address and he hadn't redirected mm. the post. And that nearly ended up in the CCJ. Yeah. And he's now having to go through administrative torture um, to try and get it struck off um, his credit record. So it's really easy for these mm. things to spiral out of control. Now, for the last part of the show, let's focus on providing some practical tips for those who are trying to nab the best mortgage deal. Now, Andrew, I think the first message for those who are coming to the end of a fixed rate mortgage is be prepared. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So we contact all our clients six months before their existing product expires. And that's probably the good time frame to start looking around. So the first thing is to uh, contact your existing lender, see what they would offer you, have a have an internet search, see what's around. And obviously, in a shock, mortgage broker says, talk to mortgage broker. I would definitely do that. Um, and if you are worried that you're going to be on the receiving end of payment shock um, and your payments are going to go up, don't just put your head in the sand because there are a lot of things you can do um, to try and mitigate those increases. Uh, and although this isn't normal advice that that we give, you can do things like you can extend your mortgage term. Mm. So if you've only got 15 years left, potentially age permitting, you can extend that back to 25 years, which will help uh, reduce your payments. You could potentially put part or all of the mortgage temporarily onto an interest-only basis. A lot of people don't realise you can do half repayment and half interest-only. If you're lucky enough to have some savings, you might look at an offset mortgage, and that could help to try and mitigate things. So there, there are things that mortgage brokers and lenders can do to assist you. And as you were saying, six months ahead is when you should should start looking. Now, often people can 
agree to lock in to to a deal if they're switching lender or even if they're staying with their existing lender. Um, and the same if you're getting an agreement in principle to buy a new home, you can lock in a deal. But then you don't have to stick with that deal if market conditions change and we do see rates coming down later this year. No, not at all. And and again, this is where the mortgage broker really comes into their own. Um, so at at the moment, it is good to lock in first and foremost, first of all, um, if you are remortgaging. And, um, and then a good mortgage broker will actually continue to scour the market for you so that if you're if you get close and you'll say a month within expiry you've got a rate of say 4% and actually the market moves and now there's a rate of 3.75% then potentially we'll be able to move you onto that um so that's no problem if you're doing it yourself you do need to watch sometimes that a product transfer from some lenders does lock you in so it's important to know which lenders will do that and which won't. If you're buying and you've just got an agreement in principle, well, that's just an agreement in principle. So that doesn't actually tie you into anything. In fact, it doesn't even reserve the rate. You only get the rate reserved when you've actually made a mortgage application. But even then, when you've actually got a mortgage offer on a property to buy, you could, for example, exchange on that mortgage offer. And then if something better comes out, you could even, uh, although we don't advise it, you could even still switch. So at any point before completion, you could switch your product. Interesting. So a lot of flexibility there for people. But some borrowers might feel bold enough to consider going onto a variable rate mortgage, a tracker, instead of taking out a fix. Now, that's a risky move, Monty, but what are the pros and cons of trackers? Um, so trackers are, are sort of the new black now in the, in the in the mortgage industry, and they've come back into vogue. And we haven't talked about trackers for so long. So basically, a tracker rate is something that if you're prepared to take some kind of interest rate risk on the fact that look, interest rates could go down, that would be great, but they could also go up then a tracker rate might be might be a good option. Uh, so a tracker rate just literally tracks the Bank of England base rate. So if Bank of England base rate is 4.25% and you've got a 1% base rate tracker, you'll be paying 5.25%. If base rate does go down to 3.5%, then your rate would go down to 4.5% and vice versa. If it goes up, your rate would go up. So the key differences between a fixed rate apart from the variability of it is also that a lot of them come with no early repayment charges at all right so if you do want some flexibility you could potentially do one or two things one if you know you're getting big bonuses or if you're getting an inheritance you're getting some other money you could knock off quite a big chunk of the mortgage at any time or if things do start to turn back the other way then you could potentially lock into a fixed rate at any time. So um, it's uh, it's good for some people, but not for all. Mm. Playing the mortgage market is very difficult to predict what's going to happen next. So if you are someone who thinks you're going to uh, 
Um, you do need to budget carefully and you're going to lie awake at night worrying the night before every Bank of England base rate decision, then tracker rate probably isn't for you. And it's better to take the insurance policy, which is a fixed rate. Mm. Now, you mentioned overpaying your mortgage. Now, there's been a huge rise, hasn't there, Chris, in the, the number of people who are overpaying their mortgage or making a lump sum payment um, to get a better rate before they fix again. Now, Monty, could you give us some some more pointers there, because as you said, it is limited often, the amount that you can overpay, although there are some rays of hope for, for borrowers there too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, most lenders will allow you to repay 10% per annum without penalty. Um, that's including the mortgage time, payments you make? Including the mortgage payments you make, yes. Um, there's started to be a little bit of a move from some lenders offering 20%, so NatWest Bank. Uh, recently joined someone like Metro Bank and, and offered 20% payments. And that's to all of their customers, whether they're existing or new, which yeah. is a good move. Yeah. Um, so that'll allow you to to make some lump sums, no, no penalties, and, and start really really getting into repaying your mortgage. So so that's been been very helpful. A lot of people do wait until it comes to remortgage. So if you've got 400,000 outstanding, um, then they're taking a new mortgage of, say, 350 because they've got some savings. Um, and, th- and that's where we see most people starting to really knock off their their mm. mortgage balance. And then that way it is more flexible because once you've paid it off the mortgage, if you're increasing your, your monthly repayments, it's quite hard to get that money back again. Whereas if you're putting it in a savings account, maybe getting a decent rate of interest as interest rates <laughs> yeah. Then, uh, yeah. pop up. If something bad happens, you lose your job, mm. you need the money for something else and you can still get your hands on it. Yeah, absolutely. Or even you can look at an offset mortgage, which allows you to do the best of both worlds. Um, and that's something that we hope will become more prevalent again. Yeah, well, thank you so much there to Chris Giles of the FT and Andrew Montlake, or Monty, for all of those helpful tips. We've definitely squeezed the maximum loan-to-value out of you both. And you can read more about this in my FT column, Yikes, what should I do with my mortgage? There's a link in today's show notes. That's it for Money Clinic with me, Claire Barrett, this week, and we hope you like what you've heard. If you did, spread the word and leave us a review. We're always looking to chat with people about their money issues for the show, so if you're interested to be part of a future episode and are looking for some expert money advice, then email us, money at ft.com. You could also take a peek at our website, ft.com slash money, grab a copy of the FT Weekend newspaper, or follow me on Instagram. I'm at Claire B. Money Clinic was produced in London by Persis Love. Our sound engineer is Jake Fielding and our editor is Manuela Saragosa. And you heard original tunes this week by Metaphor Music. And finally, our usual disclaimer, the Money Clinic podcast is a general discussion around financial topics and does not constitute an investment recommendation or individual financial advice. For that, you'll need to find an independent financial advisor or perhaps a mortgage broker. That's the small print for now. See you back here next week. Goodbye. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources. 
uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.